Amen, saints. We're glad you can be here tonight. We would like to touch the second epistles of Peter. As we know, the book of Peter is a, it's an epistle written to the dispersed believers uh, while they are being scattered into different places. Then Peter wrote this epistle in order to strengthen them, especially the second book of Peter is touching about the divine provision and the divine government. Well, praise the Lord. We'd like to see this matter. Last week, we finished the first epistle of Peter. And this week on, we will touch the second epistle of Peter about the divine provision. At the same time, under the government, we enjoy the divine provision. Let's enjoy hymn number 972. Um, then afterward, we can have more detail about this book.
Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 thought of God is that Amen. he be one with men. Amen. Amen. By the flow of life divine, man becomes Amen. a precious stone, fit for Amen. building God's abode, that his glory might be known. Amen. Amen. God in Christ, that glorious light. Through Amen. the feet it brightly shines, Amen. scattering all the deadly night with its life of life divine. Amen. 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 This the city God has built, just the dwelling God requires. Amen. This the new Jerusalem, which fulfills God's heart's desire. Sing this again. Uh, this hymn I know maybe some of us are quite familiar, um, but the, the reason we have this hymn tonight, we would like to see uh, this is not only God's government, uh, but this hymn is talking about how God carried out his administration. The difference between administration and government. Administration is something that you arrange, you plan, that is administrate, and government is the way that how you carry out. And this book, Second Peter, is how God carry out his administration. That is God's government with a kind of provision. It's not just come out to arrest people, but it come out by provision. And this is how we would like to enjoy him and how God carry out his administration. The central thought of God, what he does is he want to mingle himself with man. For this, he created man. For this, he transformed man. For this, he become the spirit working within man and then set everything, Christ as the center and the circumference and keep flowing, keep flowing. Amen. Let's enjoy this hymn again to see uh, from the viewpoint of God's government. 
how he came, how he carried out his government by supplying us with his provision. Amen. Since tonight we will only cover first first four verses of Second Peter, uh, I don't think we have we need to have that much time. But for the sake of everybody have the chance 
to share something, speak something, and read some verses. We still get into groups. Okay. Uh, maybe two minutes. So that four verses should be enough. And then let's enjoy something in our group. Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 1 to verse 4. This is the opportunity that we can have some enjoyment. And there are many items on these four verses. Amen. Praise the Lord, saints. Um, so as Brother John mentioned that we're going to continue with the epistle of Second Peter. Uh, and it's, uh, it's, this is a wonderful epistle. You might remember that the first epistle has also a subject, and its subject is uh, the Christian life under the government of God. And in that epistle, Peter brought together two things we put together. We might put together the Christian life and grace, the Christian life and forgiveness, the Christian life and God's mercy. But Peter, he brought together the Christian life together with God's government. Actually, on the one hand, God has an economy. On the other hand, he has a government. The Lord, God, exercises his government to carry out his economy. So Peter, actually, he brings this this precious aspect of the Christian life, that on the one hand, we are in God's economy, enjoying all that God is, his dispensing. But on the other hand, this enjoyment of God in his dispensing, we are under God's government. There are situations that arises that are under God's government. bring us enjoyment of God's economy. Uh, many things were mentioned, but Peter, uh, I'm going to just highlight one. Many a time Peter mentioned the matter of suffering. And some of it he said, if it must be, uh, we suffer a little while, but the Lord is going to strengthen, establish us, perfect us. So here, Peter is showing us that God's government and God's uh, economy actually go together. We might just be interested in just grace, but Peter highlights that actually, while we're in God's economy, we're also under God's government. Actually, this corresponds to our two births. On the one hand, we were born according to our human parents, and we are under God's government as such. But then from our second birth, we, we entered into God's economy. So actually, the Christian life is this kind of a living, where on the one hand, we are exposed, we are living in God's government, experiencing uh, misunderstanding, persecution, like the dear saints here, they had been scattered. On the one hand, they had just received the Lord. They had been saved. They came into the church life. They were enjoying God's economy. But because they were also under God's government, the Lord allowed a situation where they were scattered. How do we live? 
How do we conduct, how do we live the Christian life in this way? Peter is the one who's shepherding us. He's shepherding us according to God on how to live the Christian life under God's government. The way we concluded or the way the, the first epistle concluded, uh, it ended up with uh, some sufferings. We might, we might think that's, that's Peter's main message on suffering. But actually, this second epistle continues. Peter brings us to realize that while we are under God's government, we need to realize that God has actually made a provision. God is not just uh, uh, policing or inflicting, allowing sufferings, but actually in all of this, there is a divine provision to live the Christian life under God's government. So this is what this epistle is about. It's, it's a wonderful epistle. So on the one hand, we have God's government, and on the other hand, we have the divine provision. Okay, so I think we can, we can then begin uh, with the verses proper. In verse 1, Peter says, Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have been allotted faith equally precious as ours in the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wow. Uh, Peter's writing is very, very dense. And in, in the density of his writing, he brings out many riches, many riches of this divine provision. You know, um, before Peter was saved, he was Simon by Jonah, Simon, son of John. But the Lord changed his name from Simon to Peter. In the first epistle, when he opened the first epistle, he simply said, Peter, an apostle. But here he says, Simon, Peter. Simon, Peter. Actually, here, Peter shows this two compound, or this word, this name, which is a compound name, shows us that actually God's econ in God's economy, God's desire is to change the Simons to Peter's. God's salvation carries out such a, such a salvation from a Simon to a Peter. Actually, this is the picture of this epistle. And also a picture of every Christian. On the one hand, we have an old creation. And on the other hand, we have received the divine life. So we are also part of the new creation. We have been born anew. So actually, in a sense, we also have a compound name. On the one hand, we have been saved. We're in God's economy. But on the other hand, we are still in the old creation. So we still have assignment. So when he says Simon Peter, here we see God's process of transforming us, changing us from just old creation, bringing us into the new creation. Actually, the person who's writing here is a person who has been brought out of the old creation to the new creation. Simon Peter. 
you know, I know some, 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 some saints uh, in different parts of the world, whenever they were saved, they would change their name. They, were, they would have a new name to, to signify that they're a new creation. You know, just like Peter, the Lord changed his name, but Peter here, he is Simon Peter, one who used to be a regular Simon, just a common man who lived in a former manner of life, but through God's salvation, he's now a Peter who now has an excellent manner of life. Oh, this, this is the one who, who's writing this epistle. And he is a slave. Not only is he someone who's enjoying God's dispensing, which is transforming him to assignment to a Peter, but this one is a slave. A slave is one who is obedient, one who is subjected themselves to their master, who is obedient to their master. Peter says a slave and apostle. This shows us Peter's subjection, that Peter was obedient to the Lord. He had subjected himself to the Lord. He was a slave. And because he was a slave, the Lord could commit something to him. He could commission him. He could send him out. So Peter, on the one hand, he is a slave. On the other hand, he is an apostle. Because he had submitted, the Lord could commit and commission and send him out as an apostle. What a wonderful transaction. On the one hand, Peter gives himself to the Lord as a slave, and the Lord gives a commission to Peter. Actually, this, this is the experience of our Christian life. Uh, the, the Christian life is a, a life where there's many transactions between us and the Lord. This is the proper Christian life. There's a... There's a uh, a divine flow. On the one hand, we give ourselves to the Lord. We subject ourselves. We are slaves. And the Lord can commit. He can entrust. He can commission and send us out as apostles. Wonderful. This is Peter as a slave and apostle of Christ Jesus. Of Jesus Christ. And it's touching that Peter, he is writing to those who have been allotted faith, equally precious as ours. He's writing to all those who have faith allotted to them. Actually, the word allotted refers us back to the Old Testament. When the children of Israel went into the good land, God ordained that there would be an allotment, an apportioning, even you could say a dispensing of the land as to who would take what portion of the land. Peter here says, we have been allotted faith. Praise the Lord. As believers, we have been allotted. We have a portion of faith. This faith is very precious. It's very precious. 
it's it's actually one of God's divine provision is that he has allotted. He has given something. He has provided something. What has he provided? The first thing is faith. Praise the Lord. In the Christian life, what has God provided? Well, he hasn't provided us with uh, material blessings. Peter shows that in the Christian life, God has allotted to all of us faith. And this faith is very precious. In its quality, in its value, in its honor, it is precious. And it is equally precious. You know, uh, it's quite amazing here that the, when Peter uses the, the word allotted, uh, helping us to bring to mind the good land being apportioned. You know, every tribe got a different size of land. Uh, for instance, the tribe of Judah got a big piece of land compared to Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin. But the quality of the land, the, 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 the value of the land was equally precious. Have you ever realized that all of us, we have received faith, maybe in different varying amounts, but the quality, the, 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 um, the, the value of this faith is precious, and it's equally precious. Praise the Lord. It's wonderful. This is God's provision. This is God's provision. Many a time we, we, we want the Lord to increase our faith. Actually, our faith has the good quality. It's a good quality faith. It's precious. You know, I have never read anywhere in the Bible where the word precious is followed by faith. Peter treasures this allotment, treasures this. Why? This faith is what allows us to participate in God's economy. We might have faith, you know, we, many people, and maybe uh, sometimes we, we have all kinds of ideas of faith, you know, faith moving mountains, tell the mountain to get into the sea, you know, faith that certain things would be undone. Uh, but Peter here, his view of faith is a lot more deeper than that. His appreciation of faith is that this faith is what enables us to be in God's economy. God's economy as reve is revealed in the Bible. And God's economy is real. God's dispensing is real. God desires to dispense himself into each one of us. God wants to be one with me. You know, um, oh Lord, I was considering in Genesis when, when Adam was given Eve, um, Adam was a picture of who God is and Eve is a picture of man. And when God gave Adam, gave Eve to Adam, 
He says, for this reason, a man shall leave his mother, mother and father and be joined to his wife. And God says, this is God's mathematics. He says, and the two shall be one. The two. One, God, plus one, that's man. When you add one plus one in the divine mathematics, it's not two. In the divine mathematics, it's one. God's desire is that he would be one with man. The two, God and man, shall be one. This is God's, this is God's desire. So for this desire, God has made a provision. The first item, the first matter of God's provision is this faith. This faith is what joins us to the Lord. God's desire to be one with us, his dispensing is definitely real in the Bible. It's definitely revealed, but we need to enter into it. The part that appreciates what God is doing is this faith. God has given us this faith, and this faith is what responds to God's economy, to God's dispensing. Without this faith, we could not participate in God's economy. Um, you know, um, a, a picture of this, an example or an illustration, is that of a camera. You know, the old school cameras, they had a, a lens and they had a, 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 a shutter, a thing that opens and closes. And then in the back of that shut, a shutter, there was a film. You know, when a camera, when there's a scenery and you point a camera to that scenery, what happens is that that scenery, which is real, the scenery of something real is definitely there, but there's need of that scenery to enter the camera and be imprinted on the film. So in the Bible, there's a scenery of God's economy, of God's dispensing. But this dispensing of God needs to be transmitted and even imprinted and impressed into our being. How can we have this kind of an imprint of the scenery into our being? Actually, it's the faith. God has given to us, he has allotted to us this wonderful faith. It is this faith that enables us to enjoy God's economy. You know, uh, um, when somebody is blind, the scenery may be there. They, the, the scenery could be there. It could be real. However, without their eyes, they cannot substantiate the scenery. With us, also, without this faith, what is definitely real, in, as revealed in the Bible, could not be our experience. We cannot enter into it. So Peter treasures this faith. He calls it precious. This faith is what allows us, what enables us to enjoy God's economy. 
Without this faith, we would not be able to enjoy God's economy. So this faith is wonderful. You know, many a time we, we might pray to the Lord, Lord, you know, give me this or give me that or supply me with that. Actually, everything has been given to us. We're going to see later on that God has granted to us all things that relate to life and godliness. God has given to us everything, everything we could ever need for his economy. God has given. Oh, praise the Lord. He has granted. But how do we enter into all of this? We need this precious faith. We need this faith. We need, Peter calls it, this faith is so precious. It brings me to life. It brings me to godliness. Our mind cannot bring us to this. Our mind does not appreciate. Actually, it's this wonderful faith that we have been allotted to, that has been allotted to us by, the, by God. This is the first aspect of the divine provision. Oh, praise the Lord. I hope we would treasure this kind of faith. You know, faith doesn't mean we, we, we do things, we move things, or we do miraculous things. Uh, no doubt there is that aspect, but Peter is burdened for God's economy, and in particular for us to touch what is real, for us to substantiate what is real. You know, a blind person cannot see, for instance, this cup. Uh, oh, this out of frame. Anyway, I have a cup in front of me. But a blind person cannot see the cup. The cup has substance. It's real. How can the blind man substantiate the cup? They may touch it. By touching the cup, what, is, what, what was real, definitely was real, becomes, they substantiate it. It becomes their experience. This is what Peter's burden is. Dear saints, Yes, you are scattered. Yes, you are under all kinds of suffering, misunderstanding. But do you realize what God has done? God has given you a blank check. He has given you all things relating to life and godliness. But how do you experience? How do you touch these things? Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Oh, you know, sometimes there are many things we hear. In, you might have this experience. We hear a lot as believers. Maybe you hear something in a message. You just wonder, that's not my experience. And one day, you just realize it clicks. You're like, whoa, that's what that means. Oh, that's what that verse means. You know what that click is? It is the operation of this allotted precious faith. That's what that click is. It's when the scenery, what we have seen in the Bible, which is definitely real, is now being imprinted into us. It becomes a part of us. It becomes one with us. All that God has given 
can now become, now becomes part of us, becomes ours. This is God's economy. Oh, oh Lord, I, I hope uh, this, this impresses you as much as it does me, that actually this matter of our faith, this matter of our faith is so crucial. It's so crucial. Our mind cannot touch. Our mind doesn't appreciate. You know, when, when I was young, I used to play around with magnets. When you take a magnet and you hold it next to a plastic, there's, there's nothing. They have no relation to one another. It's as though the magnet doesn't exist to the plastic and the plastic doesn't exist to the magnet. But when you take something metallic, immediately they respond. The, the metallic thing responds to the magnet and the magnet responds to the uh, metallic object. Actually, this is, what it, this is what this faith does. All that is real in God's economy, when we exercise our spirit, through this faith, which has been apportioned, allotted to us, all that God has given becomes real. We begin to substantiate it. We touch it. Oh, Lord. Oh, I, I hope we would enjoy, learn to exercise our spirit. You know, um, you know, this faith comes through hearing, according to Romans. Romans helps us that the more we hear the word of God, you know, and the more we speak the word of God, you know, how, how will they believe unless someone speaks? So, so I encourage you, even at the end of our session today, exercise to speak. Are they going to have the benefit of this allotted faith? Through your speaking, a certain amount of faith is allotted. And this faith enables the listener to be brought into God's economy. Actually, every prophesying meeting is an opportunity for us to bring one another this allotted faith. Oh Lord, uh, okay, time is, but I hope we would, we would have a, a, an impression how precious what God has given us. In the midst of the suffering conditions, the uneasy environment, Sometimes uh, difficult masters, Peter says, don't, don't, don't rebel because that master has been put in place by God. So by subjecting to this master, you are living under God's government. But God has made a provision. God has made a provision to supply. This provision is this precious faith. Oh, Lord. And Peter continues, he says, this faith is equally precious as ours. So the dear saints who are scattered, the faith that you have received is precious as ours. Um, ours here yeah, refers to um, the, the apostles and the saints who are with him. You know, I don't know sometimes where, where you are. You might feel your portion is not as precious as Peter's or Peter's in Jerusalem. Uh, the saints in Jerusalem are more strong than where you are. The, the quality, remember, the quality 
the value of this faith equally precious, equally precious. Anyway, my point is never despise what has been allotted to you. We need to learn to exercise this faith. Supply one another with this faith. Okay, uh, this faith is equally precious as ours in the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter here says, this faith which has been allotted has been allotted in a certain sphere, in a certain realm. What realm was this? What realm, in what realm did God allot this faith to each one of us? That realm is righteousness. It is in the righteousness. It is by means of the righteousness of our God and Savior. Wow. Wow. You know, but other parts of the Bible don't have this combination. There's parts of the Bible that refers to the righteousness of God only. There are other parts that refer to the righteousness of our Savior or of, of Jesus Christ. But Peter here refers to, uh, I'm going to use this word, a mingled righteousness. This righteousness is not just of our God, neither is it just only of our Savior, but it is the righteousness of our God and our Savior. Wow. This righteousness is of our God and our Savior. Actually, it's wonderful that Peter refers to these two because the righteousness of our Savior, this was the Lord uh, setting a basis, his work, his living on the earth, his dying on the cross, that was the righteousness of our Savior. By dying on the cross for all our, of all our sins, for all our unrighteousness, he, according to Romans, it says, his one righteous act made us all righteous. He made the many righteous. That's in Romans 5, the one act. In Adam, there was disobedience, unrighteousness, but in, in the Lord, in Jesus Christ, our Savior, one righteous act. It made us all righteous. So that was the basis. But now, the righteousness of our God is that he justified us. So the Lord, as our Savior, he carried out redemption to make us right. But the righteousness of, the righteousness of our God is to accept in that righteousness of our Savior and justify all of us. An example, if I, if I were to go to a store um, and take something out of that store, that would be unrighteous unless I pay for it. So if I go to a store and I take something and I leave, that is, I would be an unrighteous Hector. It would be the unrighteousness of Hector. But if I pay for it, 
what I have, that is my righteousness. It's the righteousness of Hector. So I may go to the store owner and pay for it. But I need the store owner's righteousness to therefore release the item. In the same way, the Lord, as our Savior, he paid the price to release us from all unrighteousness. But as our, as our God, he justified us, releasing us, accepting the, the paid price. So that's why Peter says, it is in this realm that we have received this equally precious faith. If we realize what this means, saints, it is not in our righteousness. It is not in our trying to live better, trying to be better people that God has allotted to us. That is not the realm. Actually, that righteousness is the righteousness of the law. But Peter shows us that the realm, the sphere in which we have received this uh, faith, is in the realm of the righteousness of our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Wonderful, wonderful. This gives us boldness, dear saints, to all the time come forward. Our participation in God's economy is in God's righteousness. It is not in our righteousness. It is in God's righteousness. Because God is right, we can be part, we can enjoy his economy. Wonderful. <laughs> it is because of God's righteousness. Oh, oh Lord Jesus. Okay, time is, uh, but, but this, this supplies me. This supplies us. You know, I would like to mention that we did not receive the faith, the allotted faith, because of God's mercy. I would like to clarify, it's not God's mercy. It is not God's good heart. Actually, it is God's righteousness. It is right for God to give us the faith. Have you ever had this realization that it is right for you to enjoy God's economy? It's right. You, you, you read Rome, uh, uh, Revelation 22, verse 17. We wash our robes so that we might have the right, not because of mercy or God's um, uh, uh, big heart. No, it is God. It is right for us to enjoy God. It's righteousness. Why do I emphasize righteousness? Is that many a time we may struggle to enjoy the Lord and rely on our feelings. Feelings go up and down. I'm so glad our faith is not based on feeling. Because today I will have the faith and tomorrow I will not have the faith. But this faith which has been allotted to us, oh, it is based on God's righteousness. It is in the realm of God's righteousness. Not our righteousness, not the righteousness of the law, but it's the righteousness of our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Wonderful. Oh, Lord Jesus. Okay, because of time, I will just uh, mention the second verse and then stop. Um, in verse 2, Peter says, 
as ones who have been allotted this faith in this realm of God's righteousness, what should happen? Grace to us. And not only grace and peace. What, but what kind of peace is this? Peter says this peace should be multiplied in the full knowledge of God. Actually, the more we are enjoying this faith, receiving all God's divine provisions, what happens? Grace and peace multiply. And we begin to know God in full. That's the kind of knowledge here Peter is talking about. He's talking about knowing God, not by head knowledge, but we know him by experiencing him. Lately, I've been impressed with this verse in Matthew 11. I believe it's verse 25. It says, um, only the son knows the father. And only the father knows the son. In other words, the only way we can know God is not through our head knowledge. We need the Father to reveal the Son to us, and we need the Son to reveal the Father to us. And the way we, 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 the way we, we know God is by experiencing him. Actually, it says no one fully knows the Father except the Son, and, to whom, and, and he to whom the Son reveals him. So actually, when we're enjoying this faith, it is in this faith that we, the scenery of who God is becomes transmitted and even impressed into our spirit. Isn't this a wonderful provision? I, I hope we would, we would practice, we would exercise and realize no matter what the outward situation is, Learn to treasure the precious faith, which is God's provision. Okay, uh, I'm going to stop here and uh, let Brother John continue. Amen. Thank you, brother. Well, the more we read the pieces of Peter, the more we like Peter. Look, this word is so sweet. And even when Hector is describing, I just said, Peter, Peter, no wonder. Roman Catholic likes you. And, you know, he's just so sweet, so encouraging, talking about God's government. But he did not say, oh, God is policing you. But he just mentioned yeah, that God's government was carried out by his divine provision. On one hand, he carried out um, his government, and God's people passed through a lot of difficulties and sufferings. And God used this suffering to perfect them. And then at the same time, this kind of government come with its provision. Even just chapter one, these four verses is full of provision. I think even every word, we just feel very precious. If I ask you to pick up your highlighter, you're going to highlight every word here. Simon, you highlight it. Peter, you highlight it. Slave, you highlight it. Apostle, you highlight it. No, 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 no. It's too much. Man. Almost you know, how Peter, because how he experienced in a very deep way. All this just express out his feeling, how he experienced this very Christ. Um, 
under the divine provision with the divine government. Well, um, Brother Hector already mentioned all these points here. I'd like to repeat some points that he mentioned. For example, this part, even Peter wrote his epistle to the dispersed believers, and he said, slave and apostle. Look at that. So well, you are experiencing suffering. And he's just full of submission. And because of that submission, bring in a commission. Our function come from our experience. Uh, he did not say, Peter, an apostle, but he said, a slave and apostle. Look at the uh, footnotes here. Slave indicate Peter's submission. Apostle indicate the Lord's commission. If you can highlight these two words, our commission come from submission. <clears throat> Many would like to serve the Lord and with the title of being apostle, a prophet, pastor, I hardly heard people say, I'm slave. But rather, we want to be high. Uh, but Peter, he became an apostle because he was a slave. And saints, if we never been a servant, we cannot be a leadership. In Africa, many times I heard uh, they would like to have a camp called leadership camp that they can be a leader. <clears throat> uh, you never heard about slave ship blending or camp. Okay? No one wants to be slave. Everybody wants to be a leader. Uh, but here you see uh, Peter, in spite of all these experiences, he count himself to be a slave. And this slave has been commissioned by the Lord. And this is the way how he write the second epistles. I'm glad one of the brothers, when I attend his memorial meeting, he did not call himself the apostle. He did not call himself a big prophet. But he said, the bond slave of Christ Jesus. This is written on his tomb. A bond slave. A bond slave, that means that slave, not only slave, but being bond. No freedom. He's a bond slave of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> this is the secret for us to enjoy. His provision that we submit we obey to what he has arranged for us. And for this, what Hector mentioned about even is a we uh, are the recipients of his service. He wrote to us, Peter wrote to us, to those who have been allotted faith. That means who has been received the portion of faith. If I were Peter, maybe I will just write who has been distributed with your own portion. 
He did not say portion, but he said faith. Uh, not allotted portion, but allotted faith. Allotted means distributed, we've been distributed, we've been given. We've been given the same equally precious of faith. Peter, he said, this kind of faith was given not by the Lord's mercy, neither by the Lord's love, but the righteousness of our God and the righteousness of Savior Jesus Christ. Many, we would like to pray to the Lord by your love, by your mercy. But Peter, he is so strong. The faith that we receive, even more than love, even more than mercy. But it's in the realm, in the sphere of God's righteousness. Plus, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Did you ever see such a strong statement? that Jesus Christ, he died for our sin. For this, he become righteous. And then, because of that righteousness, and God is also must carry out his righteousness, that we should receive faith. Just like what Hector mentioned, he righteously paid, and the owner of the shop should righteously release him. You cannot say, oh, you haven't paid yet. He paid, he got the invoice. And Peter saying, we receive faith, not just because God loves us, but God is righteous. Thus, Christ is righteous. This double aspect of the righteous, that we receive faith. What an encouraging word to those who are experienced difficulties and suffering. It is not just love, but what is more strong, righteousness. God cannot deny this thing because Christ already died for us and God is righteously must give us faith. And that faith is equally precious. That faith, oh, Peter saying, oh, you receive faith. It was in the realm, in the sphere of the double righteousness, the righteousness of our God and the righteousness of Christ Jesus. Wow. <laughs> this is so strong. And after you enjoy this faith and this faith come with you with grace and peace and even underline the word multiply. It just not added. It's multiplying. <laughs> that is keep going on. It's accelerating. <laughs> it keep more and more. Uh, that multiplying is um, the more we enjoy faith, the more he increases. Not only added, okay, give it to you, but this grace and peace is multiplying by in the full knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Is that wonderful? Saints, we are not just receiving Christ as a life, but we enjoy him, and that enjoyment is keep increasing more and more. 
This is just like the material we enjoy this week for morning revival. Okay. Okay. This week, what we enjoy in this all-inclusive Christ, we enjoy him as the person. And then that person eventually <clears throat> live out as the one new man. God, even that's, oh, go to that outline. Just that Roman number one, point A, just telling God's intention is not just for us to receive Christ as life, but God's intention is to, for us to enjoy Christ as our person. Many Christians just stop having life. The, the grace are not increasing, are not multiplying. They are, oh, I have Christ, I have, and one day I go to heaven. That is not enough. God's intention is not just for you to receive Christ as life, but for us to enjoy Christ as our person. That is the way we enjoy Christ. That grace should multiply more and more. And, um, Many Christians, they're quite happy to receive Christ's life. But that is not enough. That is just beginning. All the riches of Christ's life is expressed in Christ being a person. Uh, the tree has the life. The grass has the life. But they do not have the person. Today, the Christ that you enjoy is that just life, or you enjoy Christ as the living person. In God's creation, we saw three kinds of life. Number one is the life of the plant, vegetable life, that was happened on the third day. On the third day, when the dry land come out of the dead water, that is on the third day Christ was resurrected, all the vegetable life was appear. And this is just life. Grass, trees, wonderful, full of life activities. They are very busy, it's wonderful, but these are just the vegetable life. On the third day, then you also need on the fourth day light. The life on the third day, you need the fourth day light. The fourth day light, that is the sun, strong light, the moon, the light in the dark, and the stars, the light with direction. You need these three kinds of light to bring the vegetable life into animal life. <clears throat> you cannot just stay on the third day life. Now, I know many Christians, they, after they got life, oh, they're happy. Oh, oh, I have life, I have life, wonderful. But that life needs fourth day light to bring that life, the enjoyment of that life be multiplied. To enjoy the light on the fourth day, strong sunlight and light in the dark, the moonlight and the starlight that gives you the direction. And then bring that light into the fifth day. 
is animated life, animal. But this is still not a person. Maybe after you receive some light and revelations, wonderful, and you got some kind of direction, then you start move, you take action. You're not just like a plan, but now you have more life, more strength, more gifted, more capacity, but you're still wild. Wild beast, wild animal. There are many, many Christians after they receive life and they receive light and they move like a wild animal. Now I want to serve God. I become a prophet. I become a pastor. I become an apostle running around everywhere full of strength. They want to show their strength, their gift. That cannot fulfill God's purpose. Oh, this week morning revival is so good. We need to have Christ, experience Christ as our person, and then keep growing. Not only have life, but this life keep growing. Pass through the light on the fourth day, and the training on the fifth day, and then at the end, on the sixth day, we receive this kind of the one new man. This person has been lived out. If you have this kind of grow at the end, all your service is not for your own gift, but for the one new man. When this one new man is manifested, it expresses the righteousness. It must come from created by the righteousness and the holiness of God. Righteousness is God's way. Holiness is God's nature. The new man was created from the righteousness and the holiness of the one who created him. Saints, this is how being grace and peace multiply in the full knowledge of God. What is full knowledge of God? That is the way how we know him. Many... We just know him in a partial way, superficial way. But we need this kind of multiplying in our enjoyment. Not only enjoy Christ as our life, just like the grass. No, we want to enjoy Christ as our person. All right. And let's come back to Second Peter. And in verse 3, he says, seeing that his divine power, as we enjoy the multiply of grace and peace under the full knowledge of God and of the Lord Jesus, us, that, now seeing means us, as his divine power has granted to us, Oh, Lord, this faith become the divine power being granted to us. All things which related to life and godliness. Life is inward. Godliness is outward. Life is the person. Godliness is the one new man. Life is all-inclusive Christ. One and Godliness is the genuine church life. 
Christ and the church, that all the power given to us, granted to us, all things that related to Christ and the church. The more we enjoy grace from the faith that has been given to us, Oh, Lord, by the way, I just repeat what Hector mentioned. How this faith given to us. This faith is God embodied in Christ. God embodied in Christ. And Christ embodied in the New Testament. And the New Testament had been conveyed to us through the Word. And when this New Testament conveyed to us through the word, when the word is speaking to us, the spirit work together with the speaker. And faith come from listen. Faith come from hearing. But if nobody speaking, where did they get the faith? The faith is come from hearing, hearing of faith. When we convey the spirit work together with the speakers. And then the speaker, when they convey the word and the spirit goes together and the spirit get into man and cause reaction. That is where the faith is. Saints, our faith come from the word of God while the word of God is conveyed. The spirit work together. When the spirit get into us, sorry, when the word get into us, at the same time, the spirit get into us. The spirit goes with the word. Just like you want to get carbohydrates, you must eat the bread. You can say, I don't want the carbohydrate. I just want the energy. And all the energy is in the food. While we're speaking, the spirit work together with us. And then when the word get into us and work within us, operate within us, it becomes the spirit. The spirit convey the faith into us. The spirit cause us as an echo reaction that becomes the faith. And this faith cause us to have a knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. When the faith come into us, then you just say, ah, wow. Do you see that? That is the faith. That is the precious faith work within us. And for that, his divine power granted to us to all things that related to Christ and the church, to life and godliness, through the full knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and virtue. All this word is so precious that he gave us this divine power. That is mm, the power of God. As we are receiving the word of God, at the same time, he used this divine power this divine power, you have to go back and ask our Apostle Paul. Oh, Lord. Our Apostle Paul, in his Ephesians chapter 1, 
is uh, this kind of fourfold power that has been transmitted to the church. Did you get that fourfold power in Ephesians chapter one? That the power that raised him from the dead. <clears throat> Though, okay, if you go to your Ephesians chapter one, verse 20. Okay. <laughs> But not one. You encircle the word first. First. Just don't highlight the whole footnote. Encircle the word first. First, that's the power that caused to operate in Christ. Raise Christ from the dead. That is, just encircle the word first. First fall power. Rise from the dead. <coughs> the second fall. Is 20, footnote 20, verse 20, footnote 2. Okay. Encircle the word second. The second power is caused him, operating Christ, seated Christ in the heaven far above all. First is rising from the dead. Second is seated him in the heaven. And then verse 22 Footnote one, you encircle the word third. The third fall power is the power that caused him to operate in Christ, subject all things. That power is to subject all things. First power from the dead, second power in the heaven, third power subjecting all things. <clears throat> that everything is subject under his feet. And 22, footnote 2, encircle the word 4. The fourth, the fourthfold power is to head up all things. These is, are the fourfold meeting to the church. How did it transmit it to the church? And Peter saying, seeing that, okay, let's come back to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 seeing that his divine power has granted to us all things concerning Christ and concerning the church. All this power has been infused to the church. And when we are in the church, we receive this divine power. <clears throat> and through the full knowledge of praise the Lord, this is good. <laughs> Number one, we have the divine power. Number two, the divine power grant us all things, all the things that related to life and godliness. All the things with life, with godliness. Um, it's, been infused, it's been infused to us. Did you see in verse three, we have many things here. We have divine power, we have all things, we have life, we have godliness. And then number five, we have full knowledge of him. Um, that he called us by his own glory and virtues. 
through the full knowledge of him who has called us. He called us. He called us. The more we enjoy full knowledge, the more we have the knowledge of him who called us. And that knowledge is the knowledge of his glory and virtues. Saints, the Lord did not call us to heaven. Even not call us to do something for him. But he called us by his glory and virtues. And he called us into his glory and virtues. Did you write and see the word call us? By. Next to by, you write. And also into. Did you ever see this thing? The Lord called us by his glory and by his virtue and called us into his glory and into his virtues. All his disciples enjoy through the knowledge of him who called us by enjoying his virtue, his glory and virtue. And they've been called. Now, today you say, some people say, oh, the Lord called me, I want to be a pastor. And the Lord didn't call you to be a pastor. The Lord called you by his glory and virtue and into his glory and virtue. When the Lord was on the earth, the disciples saw him, saw his glory and his virtue. They, through the appearance of the Lord, they have that kind of knowledge. They've been called. Our religious concept, we thought, okay, last night the Lord spoke to me and splendid, bright. The Lord said, I'll talk to you tonight. You must do something for me. No, 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 no. The Lord called us with his glory and his virtues. All this thing by how we pursue him, enjoy his person. This all-inclusive Christ is the person that we enjoy. And how we enjoy, we enjoy his glory and his virtue. On top of the mountain, Peter, John, and James, they saw the glory the glory of this Christ. And on the feet of the mountain, they enjoy the virtue of this person. How he feed for 5,000 people. How he trained Peter. Even on top of the mountain, the Lord speak to Peter. This is my beloved. Hear him. Okay, okay, I hear him. Right after that event, they come down under the mountain. People ask, is your master going to pay tax? Peter said, yes. Uh, the Lord on the mountain, you say, hear him. And you say, amen. And down to the mountain, you did not hear him. You just say, yes, right away. And then how the Lord said, Peter, do you think the son of the king need to pay tax? Uh, Peter said, oh. I should actually ask you, 
I forget what I have heard in the mountain that hear him come down from the mountain even less than three days. He forget, forget to hear him. Okay, then the Lord expresses virtue. The Lord did not say, Peter, smack him. Why don't you listen to me? No, the Lord lived out that kind of virtue. And this is how the Lord provides this divine power operating within us in the church. That power, that fourfold power, resurrected power, ascending power, subjecting power, heading up power. Everything is to working out for us to enjoy all the things that related to life and godliness. Peter wrote these verses to the saints, to the believers who are in the sufferings. Is that sweet? Don't think, oh, you cannot go on. Oh, this is too much. It's beyond my capacity. Peter said, the divine power has been granted to us related all the life and godliness by the operating of the faith. When this faith is operating, this divine power is operating, has been granted to us. And this faith is through the reaction, through the full knowledge of him who call us. The Lord call us and he operates within us with his glory and virtues. I think I'm afraid you nearly highlight every verse in every word in verse three. Let's come to the last verse. This is sweet. Through the glory and virtue that he has granted to us, the precious and exceedingly great promise. By the glory and virtues. This glory and virtues that we enjoy, which is the faith that we act within us, by this, he promised us. Um, we cannot reach the high goal of God's glory. We saw the glory, we saw the virtue, but we cannot make it. But through the virtue, through the glory and virtue, he has granted to us the precious and exceedingly great promise. He promised us. You not only stole my virtue, but by my virtue, that through this, you might become the partakers of the divine nature. To receive life is once for all. But to partake of the divine nature, it must be continually. And he promised us, saints, our God is a God of promise. He just keeps promising us. That promise is a strengthen us. No problem. I'm here with you. In the New Testament, after his resurrection, he promised his disciples, I will be with you. 
And Peter said, he granted us to the precious and exceedingly great promise. Keep promising. Without promise, we might be disappointed. So we need this promise to assure us, to strengthen us. Peter wrote to the suffering believers, telling them he used his glory and virtue, and he granted us with exceedingly great promise. Promise you that you might, passing through all these experiences, you are partaking of the divine nature. This thing will not just because you are not lucky. No. All this thing is to cause us to partake of the divine nature. Praise the Lord for promising God. He just keep promising us that we will be the partaker of the divine nature. Even in the time of suffering. Learn. He is with us. He wants us to partake of the divine nature. That the grace and peace will multiply. And then he said, having escaped the corruption which is in the world by lust. That is the condition. Or you may say, since you escape the corruption which is in the world by lust, then you might be able to partake the divine nature. That is a strong verse to prove we are not only have divine life, but we also have divine nature. There are some people oppose us, saying that you are telling us we become God. Then this is a strong verse. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4. There's a verse that we become the partakers of the divine nature. Saints, we are not only the partakers of the divine life, even God promised us if you escape, if you stay away from the lust of the world, it will enhance you, qualify you to partake the divine nature. You cannot partake both. You have to drop the last from this world. You know, today, this age, this modern age, is to stir up our lust. When the lust is come in, then it will steal your partaking of the divine nature. All the lust of this world, all kind of attractive things drawing you. That take you away from partaking of the divine nation. And Peter saying, having escaped, if you escape from the corruption which is in the world by lust, seeing all this. Today, all this media, all this technology, the whole world, the whole atmosphere, the modern, the trends, all these things. We know, you know this cannot 
replace our enjoyment of partaking of the divine nature. Well, um, there is a cycle. The more we escape, the more we partake. The more we escape from the lust, the more we partake. And we partake, strengthen us, then give us strength to escape. And the more we escape, then the more we partake. Amen. Okay. We all can testify that we partake more, enable us to escape. When we escape, it gives us more room to partake. And this is what a wonderful promise that how Peter encouraged uh, in the time of God carry out his government, the provision is there, that we have equally precious faith has been given to us, strengthen us. If we escape from the last of the world and we experience, he carry out his promise in us. Praise the Lord. Amen. Saints, uh, uh, next week will be our um, uh, video training. We're going to skip one week next week. Uh, that's nothing we're going to stop just because of next week. And I hope uh, many of us able to enjoy, yeah, even if you can attend one or two meetings, just come in. I don't know how it makes how, how it works, but try the opportunity, have a taste how the Lord speak to us. You know? This technology is for interest. If you can uh, find a way how you get in, uh, of course, only if you do not register. But if you register, you have to attend this video training. Uh, this is very precious video training um, that is talking about how the Lord entrusted his recovery in this time. There are 12 messages. Um, well, I hope uh, next week we will spend some time to enjoy this video training. We skip one week, and after that, we come back again. Uh, all right, we may stop here and then get into the group. Learn to convey with faith. Okay? Uh, the Lord that speaks to us is the Spirit and the Word. Okay? Share something in the, someone in the group. Okay? And okay, that kind of infusing that we can all partake of the faith. Equally precious. Amen. Let's break into group for 10 minutes, then we come back again.